0: God, just continue to help your spirit be the loudest voice, and we love you, and it's in your sense that we pray. Amen. 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 Alright. Let me ask you guys a question. you are ready for this? Sure. Who likes anime? I do. We got some anime watchers. What's favorite anime? You look really excited. Tokyo Ghoul. Tokyo Ghoul. Wow. Yes. That one's graphic. I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm like, wow, that was brutal. Okay. What do you got? Um, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Jojo's yeah. Bizarre Adventure. What you got? Hunter Hunter. Hunter. Good man. Man after my own heart right there. One more. Let me get one more.
1: Initially,
0: D. I've never heard of that one. Wow. Okay. There we go. He's going off the beaten path there a little bit. I love it, right? So, how many of you guys have ever heard of this show called One Piece? I love One Piece. So, in Colombia, the guy who leads the church there, his name is Perry Keeve. He is like the biggest anime nerd you'll ever meet. And so coming to Columbia, like, we're, we're pretty much like athletic people. Like, that's just what we like. Like, we like sports. We like football. We like watching people, you know, tackle each other and stuff. And I'm like, ah, right? Perry got us into anime this year, right? So we got into this show called One Piece, right? And it's this, this kid. His whole dream is, I want to be king of the pirates. Okay. That, that's a pretty notable goal there, right? You know, in this whole show... He's getting stronger and stronger, but these bad guys keep getting stronger and stronger, right? Like, there's literally this whole episode. Well, it's actually like 15 episodes where there's this dude who was made of poison. How do you beat a guy made of poison? Does anyone have an idea of that? I would love to know that, right? Or a guy that was made of light, right? Or there there's so many powerful bad guys. Or, you know, maybe this might hit a little bit better. How many of you guys are Avenger fans? Who likes uh, the Avengers movie series? A couple of people. Okay, wow. Man, we don't like movies in here. This is crazy. Man, this hit better when we were doing this with our campus. I guess there are a bunch of nerds down there is what it is, right? We're nerds in Columbia, I guess. But, uh, you know, in uh, Infinity War, who has not seen Infinity War yet? Good. Oh, I'm sorry. It's going to be spoiled. I'm sorry. You've had years to figure this out. But, you know, when Batman came and beat Superman, I'm playing. uh, (laughs) You know, Thanos literally beat every single guy in the avengers wiped out half of existence and then we had to sit there for a year just kind of letting that sink in our head like okay everybody just died and then there was no movie for like a year like that that was kind of insane to me right but you know there's probably tons and tons of stories that we could think of right you know some of us like fantasy or star wars or even like athletics right you know think about it like over in the NFL, like the storyline was like, who's going to be better? Is it going to be the Chiefs or is it going to be the Eagles, right? You know, and how are they going to stop the Chiefs in all their glory, right? They didn't. They did, it. they did not stop them, right? But, you know, we love the stories where there are increasingly more and more powerful bad guys, right? Because we like that. We like the idea of how is the hero going to beat a guy made of poison? Right? Like, that, how, what new power is he going to get? How are the Eagles going to be able to try to beat the bad guys in the Chiefs, which they failed, so maybe next year, right? You know, or how are we going to defeat Thanos in a year from now? Like, he's overpowered. He has all the Infinity Stones, right? Like, we love those kind of stories, right? Can we agree on that? And it's funny because I think we forget we're also in a story kind of like those stories at times, right? We have a bad guy that is increasingly getting stronger and stronger against us at times. Life is going to throw many things at us to discourage us, to distract us, to make us shake, right? And honestly, I'm going to say this, on our own power, we are powerless to stop them. Satan is the guy made of poison that we have no idea how we're going to defeat them. Satan is the Chiefs with all the game plans that we have zero idea. Sorry, I just called your NFL team Satan. It's okay. <laughs> You're not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> right? But on our own power, we have no ability to stop his schemes in our path. Doesn't matter how long we've been going to church, doesn't matter how long we've been a disciple for doesn't even matter how long, how many Bible verses we memorize, right? On our own power, we have zero ability to stop him, right? Now, let me not discourage you guys anymore. Let's go to God's word about this, right? Let's go to 2 Peter. And uh, down in Columbia, we have this thing that when you open up to the scripture, you have to say, you're. Is that okay? So when you get to the scripture, you have to give me like a, not like a, you like a, you you know what I mean? Some people are looking at me like, wow, Columbia are weirdos down there. Alright, are we there? Can you say it again? We're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. Here. 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 There we go. Come on. Put some conviction behind it. Alright, we're going to be in 2 Peter. Uh, verse 3, in chapter 1, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need... For a godly life through our knowledge of him who is called by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruptions in the world caused by evil desires. Pause there just for a second. Remember I said we are powerless to stop Satan and all his schemes. Well, God is more powerful than Satan. Amen. And God gives us the ability to tap into a power that gives us the ability to live a godly life. There is a power that we can achieve that can help us overcome anything in the world. Amen. Isn't that encouraging, right? And so Peter continues to write here in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness Forgetting they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It's incredible, right? We have the ability to participate in the divine nature that can help us overcome things, right? And just like all these other stories that I pointed out here, whether it's anime, whether it's, you know, in football, whether it's in Star Wars or whatever it is, right? The characters, in order to beat the bad guy, they had to grow. They had to change, right? And so I want to just say this really clearly. We are meant to change, to grow, and to become stronger. We're not meant to stay in this weak state of I have to rely on other people to keep me faithful, My goal should be to grow. Really, we shouldn't be the same person that we were a year ago. We shouldn't be the same person that we were a couple months ago. Because the scripture here says that we're supposed to add to the faith that we got. We're supposed to add perseverance and love and godliness and all of these things, right? So that we can become mature. So that we can become stronger. The question is, though, are we growing? Are we growing in our faith? Are we still the same person that we were a year ago? Are we still a person? You know, and here's the thing. Some of us might be disciples for a long time. Like, actually, like, just literally for years and years, right? But we still look and act like we did when we first studied the Bible years and years ago. The goal is growth for the glory of God. The method is tapping into His godly power. Amen? This is where we're going to be talking about quiet times because this is why we have quiet times is these are the secret to tapping into this awesome and amazing power so we can grow mature, amen? So the goal of this lesson, we're really going to try to get practical in this, is really to teach on how to have effective quiet times that produce deep character growth over time by intimacy with the Father. The goal is we're going to really be trying to give you guys a lot of tools and things you can go back and do in your lives so that way, you guys can grow in your faith and continue adding on here, as Peter's talking about, right? But I want to give you guys a question, really, to ponder on throughout this entire lesson. You guys ready for this? You all still awake? Yeah. Here's the question: How long do you want to be a young disciple for? Sorry, what did you say? How long do you want to be a young disciple for? Because here's the thing: I believe we all have the ability to choose how long that takes, right? For some. It might be 10, 15 years that we're a young disciple. For some, it might be a couple months. But the key here is God's divine power, if we really chase after it and we are really getting it into our life in every possible way, it will change us into mature disciples. We don't need to stay young disciples for a very long time. We can be mature very quickly if we do the things that we're supposed to do. Amen? So before we get into some of the practicals, I really want to spend a bulk of the time talking about practicals. I want to talk about a word, right? There's this word that gets thrown around in kind of our generation a lot, and it's this word influence. Can I get someone to define influence for me real quick? Let's see. We got anyone with a good definition? Wow. Oh, right there. Come on. We love the boldness. What you got? Mm. The ability to positively or negatively impact someone or something, right? I think that's a really good definition, right? You know, influence is one of the most powerful things in our world. You guys know that? Like it really could cause people to do all sorts of things when you gain influence there, right? Because I want to say this, people are not naturally thinking things. I don't know if you guys knew that, right? We're naturally feeling things. Meaning whatever I'm feeling at that moment is what I'm gonna be compelled to do at that moment immediately, right? I know like they talked about, you know, feelings, doing and all that stuff last night, but it's interesting. People are not naturally swayed by logic and reason right away. What they are naturally swayed by is what tugs at my heartstrings? Can you give me an image of something that I can fall in love with and that I can see myself in, right? You know. Think about it. The thing that we're all chasing after in our lives is this idea of what I call the good life, right? We all want a good life. I would hope so, right? People want to be happy and have peace and have hope, right? Do we want that in here, right? I see lots of head nodding, but I don't hear a lot of yes, right? <laughs> we want to fall in love with some sort of picture of the good life. You know, this is why in our world, you know, a lot of the advertisers if you guys watch the super bowl ads or any kind of commercial right they always try to paint a picture of how can this product give you the good life right you think about those uh, minivan commercials right you know you got like the mom in the front and she's like so happy and like man look at my kids they're so happy in the back and they're not screaming because it makes you think you know what i need honda odyssey i, I need the honda odyssey because if i want the good life Like that picture right there, I need the Honda Odyssey in my life, right? And this happens with all sorts of stuff, right? Like think about it. You know, Chick-fil-A is probably the best advertiser out there, right? Because their commercials are always like, how does Chick-fil-A make you happy in their moment, right? And you look at that and you're like, you know what? I would be really happy with a Chick-fil-A sandwich right now, right? They're really effective at doing what they do, right? You know, if we become disciples in this room, then we've bought into a good life at this point, right? Right? Jesus preaches an amazing good life. Life and life to the full is what he says that he's preaching, right? And because of this, we're supposed to form our life to that good life that he's preaching to us. But I want to make this clear. Jesus isn't the only one that's preaching a good life to us on a daily basis. Jesus is an amazing good life, but there are so many good lives that are preached to us all the time. And this is where the power of influence come in. You know, think about it. Think about in your life where a bulk of our time is being spent. You know, I, I looked this up. The average American spends about seven to nine hours a day on some sort of screen, either their phone or watching TV or on the computer. You know, some of you guys are like, man, my screen time's like 12, 13 hours. So maybe, uh, you know, most people are doing pretty good, right? You know, We spend so much time on those things. And literally there is a profession now known today as an influencer. Their sole job is to go on social media and influence you guys to do anything. Just stuff, right? Like, look at this product. Look at this thing. You should do this thing, right? You know, in the guy session, I think uh, Brendan was talking about uh, how he saw this ad for a workout plan. He bought it like right away. That's what influencers do. That's what they're trying to get you to do, Right. You know, think about it, for most of you guys, you probably spend about 40 plus hours a week doing some sort of school. Either in class, doing homework, thinking about it, stressing about it, crying in the corner about it, right? (laughs) You know, we spend a lot of time with that. And then, you know, whatever time we have left, we try to spend some time with friends, with family. We got to eat at some point. Some of us sleep for a couple hours in between, right? Everything that I just mentioned is teaching our hearts to love something. They're all teaching our hearts to love something. Think about the videos you watch on a daily basis. Think about the major that you guys are passionate about. Think about the dreams that you have. Think about the issues in the world that you care about. Where do those things come from? And really, I want to really kind of just highlight that sometimes some of these things might have bits and pieces of God's kingdom in it, but it's not always an influence from God's kingdom on where they come from. Sometimes it's just the world around us preaching and talking to us, and man, my heart is loving something they're preaching. Does that make sense, right? Yeah. And I wanted to point that out because I think it's important because some of us, you know, our interaction with God is, hey, I go to a couple church events every week, maybe spend about 10 to 15 minutes of reading God's word, and, you know, maybe I'll pray before I eat a meal, right? The amount of time that we spend with God, if it's only like, you know, 10 hours a week versus 80 hours a week of everything else. Are we being influenced to love something else too much? Is God winning the fight in our heart? Because here's the thing. We can't be confused about this. And I want to say this and make it really clear because I think this is why some of us can struggle to grow in our faith at times. It's because Jesus has lost the battle of influence in our hearts and we're longing for something else. So, Really why I wanted to start with this is I think it's important because in order for us to even talk about all the practices of quiet times, I could give you guys so many tools and all these things to do, but if your quiet times are not the main influence in in your life to condition your heart to love God's kingdom, all of these tools are going to be for nothing. They will not bring about the character change that's needed. So let's acknowledge the battle of influence that's going on and really Let's value the need for God's presence to be in our lives. Amen? Amen? Because we want to be people who love God's kingdom more than any other kingdom that the world can preach to us. Amen? Amen? So let's get into practicals. I have four practicals. Y'all cool with that?
1: Jesus.
0: Four practicals. First one, create the space. Create the space. Go to Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at Jesus here. Who loves Jesus? Hey... Here we go. Got some people who love Jesus in the room. Mm -hmm. One guy was like, "Mm." (laughs) all right. I get it. Lunchtime is coming. I'm going to try to keep you guys awake (laughs) as much as I can. I totally get it. I had to drink like a couple cups of coffee on the way here. All right. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Speaking of being tired, very early in the morning, at an ungodly hour, it doesn't say that, but I just added that in there. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simple sentence, right? Some of us have probably heard this verse before many, many times, but I wanted to point this out because I think that Jesus was probably the world's busiest person. Jesus was the most influential person during his time. He probably worked like 12 to 16 hours a day, working double overtime, right? You know, there were times where Jesus was like, well, his disciples would come up and be like, hey, everyone's looking for you. And he's like, actually, let's go over there because there are too many people here and we need to go do some other things at this time, right? Like there were so many people coming to him. You know, Jesus's cousin died in the Gospels. And when he was trying to go find some time to go mourn them, there were 5,000 people who were trying to chase Jesus down to be with him. Jesus was a busy, busy person. How many of you guys look at that life and think, wow, that is the kind of work life I really want in my life? Probably not many of us, right? Jesus was incredibly busy. But here's the thing I noticed about Jesus, and I love this. Jesus knew how important it was to prioritize the right things. Even though he was incredibly busy, he was the most effective minister in the entire world. He constantly found time and space to go off and have some time with God. He created the space. You know, I was reading this book. Uh, it's funny. Uh, the book over, or the class over there, The Ruthless Elimination to Hurry. This is actually a quote from that book because I think it's important. And it says this. Corrington Bloom once said that if the devil can't make you sin... He'll make you busy. There's truth in that. Both sin and busyness have the same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. Mm, That last line there really hit me there, right? (laughs) Busyness is an effective tool by Satan to get us to not be in God's presence anymore, right? Just think about it. You, You guys have so many things that you guys are doing, right? How many of you guys have five plus classes going on right now? right? Who thinks they have the hardest major in the room, right? Any like astrophysicists or like astro engineer, I, I don't know, like, what, what, atomic engineers. I don't know. I've, I've heard of plenty out there, right? Some of us are incredibly busy, right? And we're like, you know, I'm part of this club on campus and I've got this internship and I've got this part-time job. And hey, these are all things we got to do, right? But I want to say this because life isn't ever going to get easier at this point. And that's not to discourage us. I think that's just real. Because, honestly, Satan knows very well that busyness is an effective tool to get us distracted. He knows that, hey, if I just tack on all these things that might be really good and positive things, they will miss the heart of God in this matter. There is no such thing as a Christian who is too busy to have their time with God on a consistent basis. Because what you have is someone who's actually just too busy to be a Christian anymore. That I think is so, so important because busyness can get in there and wreck our lives when it comes to having personal time with God. And why I wanted to say that is because we can't be people who expect life to make time for us. We need to make time in our lives for God to be there. That's the key to it is that, you know what? There might be a lot of really urgent things that I got to do in my life, but there is one thing that is the most important thing in my life, which is I got to spend time with God on a daily basis. And we'll talk about some practicals there, right? Because here's the thing. When I look at Jesus' example, Jesus was willing to sacrifice things in order to have this thing in his life. And how many of you guys like that word sacrifice? Just show of hands. Okay, we got one person. There we go. Amen, right? Hey, I'm just gonna be real. I don't like that word sacrifice, right? I like being comfortable. You know, I'm a guy that if it were up to me, I would sleep till 12 p.m. and go to bed at 3 a.m., right? How many of you guys, that's like your normal sleep schedule. Okay, we got some people who are honest in here, right? You know, I I think there are so many things that I really enjoy in my life that, you know what? I don't really like sacrificing things. But what I've learned, especially in relationships and especially being married now for uh, almost two years now, you're going to have to sacrifice things for the people you love because you love them, and they're important. And that's not a bad thing. Sacrifice isn't always a bad thing. And so I see this here, that Jesus was willing to sacrifice things like sleep, being with other people, doing the things he wanted to do, his comfort, in order to spend time with God. You know, I love, right after Jesus got baptized in the Gospels, you know what he did? He went, to learn he went into the wilderness for 40 days, did not eat, and spent 40 days with God. That's hardcore to me. Right. But I think it shows Jesus's heart of I'm willing to sacrifice anything to be in close communion with God. And I love that about Jesus example. Right. So here's some practicals about that. You know, one of the things I really had to learn as a young Christian, you know, when I was a young Christian in college. I, uh, I was, you know, an intern in the ministry full time. I had a part time job on campus. I was full time in school. Like, it was like, if I had a spare five minutes in my life, I would probably spend that five minutes sleeping, right? Like, I was very busy. And the first thing I noticed that came out of my schedule first was my quiet times. And I was in the ministry at that time. Or it would be like, "Ah, I've only got five minutes. You know what? Verse of the day. Say a quick little prayer. God, you'll bless it, right? And, And those were the things that really got to me there, right? And so one of the things I had to learn very quickly is, this lesson of I had to kind of create the space in my life. So one of the things I did is I called it my sacred hour. Mm -hmm. Is the first thing I put in my schedule every day, and I still do this today, is my quiet times. I don't schedule anything else. I don't schedule times of people. I don't schedule my work. The first thing that I do in my day is I'm going to schedule my quiet time. So right now from about 8.30 to 9.30, ain't nobody calling me. Ain't no one texting me. That YouTube video, I'll watch it later, right? I'm going to have my quiet time. This is me and God time. You know, because here's the thing I I love so much is that Jesus didn't have a cell phone and people wanted to get a hold of Jesus, but Jesus was like, you know what? I'm going to have this time with God. This other stuff can wait later. This is more important right now. And so really why I do this is because the goal shouldn't be to plan my day and then try to cram my time with God somewhere in there. Because when I'm cramming that in there, It's rushed. It's not special. And honestly, I don't really believe I'm giving God my first fruits of my life anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm giving him the scraps of my life. And, you know, again, having consistent time with God might mean sacrificing some things. Mm -hmm. It might mean you got to get up an hour earlier. (sighs) Some of us are like, okay, that's a lot. It's okay. 9 a.m. is not that hard to get up, right? (laughs) Some of us, it might mean, you know what? Hey, I don't have time to hang with that person today. Cause I got to have that quiet time. It might mean, you know what? I might not be able to watch Netflix today. Yeah, you're right. That's, oh my God, I need to I'm telling you, Hey, it might mean setting that screen time password on our phone where our phone doesn't unlock until a certain time in the day. We, we need to do these things. Cause I think sometimes just because we're not intentional, life can just go so, so quick. Busyness can come. And man, it feels like I'm just trying to cram my quiet time in my schedule. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. Does this stick in here? Because I think this is really important is that Jesus was a person who created space in his life. No matter how busy he was, mm-hmm. life is only going to get busy for us after this. Because here's the thing. Some of us going to get married. Some of us going to have kids. We're going to buy a house. We're going to have a really awesome job doing some really cool things like being astronauts, right? I don't know, maybe. But no matter how busy we get... We still have to keep up with our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense, guys? Em's going to talk a little bit about the second practical, which is word of power.
1: Yeah, so um, I'll be having you guys turn to Jeremiah chapter 15. But um, something I really want to talk about with the word is just, again, like going back to that influence. What is influencing us on a day-to-day basis? What is our biggest influence? Um, In Jeremiah 15, verse 16, it says, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. I love this scripture so much. Jeremiah here is saying that the word is his joy and his heart's delight. For something to become your joy and heart's delight, it has to be, a consistent thing in life um I think about I love the imagery of when you're when he says when your words came I ate them I love that imagery um I think about thing you know the old saying you are what you eat um when when you eat and this is I'm a nurse done a lot of like nutrition classes and all that and when you eat certain foods you'll continue to crave them so if you have a less than healthy lifestyle of eating out a lot you'll continue like the more you eat out the more you'll crave that food switching to eating healthier is hard but the more veggies you eat and the less fast food you eat the more you'll crave the healthy food um and i think about that for the word Mm. how much do you crave the word Have you taken enough of it in? Have you ingested enough of the word to crave it when you miss a day? Or is it more like you are more of your days filled with starving yourself of the word or filling yourself with it? Um, I think about even um, again, that idea of you are what you eat. If you have too many fats, you end up with high cholesterol if you eat too much sugar and other things, uh, you can get diabetes. Um, and even with that, like the more we're really in the word, the stronger our faith builds. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, I'm turning there really quickly. Um, it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ um our faith grows through the word um and when so when we are in the word we see our faith grow when we're ingesting it a lot we see ourselves become more like christ we're able to reflect on those things um we're able to rely then on his word more Um, is the word is god your go-to um and I think about even, again, with that analogy of food, we need food every day. So just, you know, just a basic part of life. Do you feed your spiritual body as much as you feed your physical body? Wow. Um, if, we, if we have to feed our physical bodies every day, why don't we feed our spiritual bodies daily? Yeah. Um, and so even just to get practical with that, because I think... Because this is stuff that I have i was baptized pretty young. And so this is when Don was asking, how long do you want to be a baby Christian? And I reflect on my life. I'm like, whew, I was a baby Christian for a long time. Um, and I think that something that I, a lot of us can get caught up on is, okay, we can hear, yeah, it's so important to be in the Word. But what do I do? Where do I start? How do I ingest this better? Um, and so... I think practicals of digesting this is, you know, one, talk with your campus ministers, the people that you're close to, your disciples, um, on what to read, on, you know, different things that are going on in life, um, and different books of the Bible that that might be pertinent or helpful. Um, You know, again, with with this food, and I'm I'm a big foodie, so I just love this food analogy. (laughs) Um, You don't eat too much, and you don't want to eat too little. Like Dom said, the word of the scripture of the day is nice, but that's just a little snack. That's, 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 just, that's just a little taste. Um, you want to really make sure that you're spending quality time in the word. Um, if you are reading to the point where you're like, I have read so much and I have no idea what I read and I don't even know where to start the research, you probably read a little too much, and that's okay. Um, but start, you know, maybe a chapter or maybe a small section. Um, and then ask yourself questions. Um, I think something that I've learned that's really helpful is when I'm reading a passage to ask myself, who is the author and who is the audience? What is the author saying to the audience and how can this apply to me? So with this scripture in Romans, you know, I'm thinking, okay, the Romans are really struggling with their faith in Jesus. And if Jesus really was the Messiah. And so Paul Paul's pretty Paul's Paul's a hard hitter. He's he's a great author. Mm-hmm. And so so Paul is speaking to the Romans and he's telling them faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about about Christ. So when I think back to this, I'm like, okay, the the, the Romans didn't have the New Testament, so they're thinking about the Old Testament, the prophecies of Jesus. So he's encouraging them really, really get back in the Word, really like really dig into this look at the prophecies and then look at what has happened and then we ask ourselves how can I apply this to myself maybe that means looking at the prophecies of Jesus if you really want to they're really cool to look at but I think again like we have the scriptures of Jesus we can we don't have to look at the prophecies of Jesus we can also look at the life of Jesus Um, and so applying it to ourselves okay maybe I should read more about Jesus if my faith is struggling Go back to the Gospels and really break those down. Um, but those are those are the questions that I often ask myself. Who is the author in the audience? What is the author saying to the audience? And how can this apply to me? I think even with all this, with, just practically with the word, um, great resources like the Bible Project, they have an app. They're, I love the Bible Project. They have so many different videos on how to break... On breaking down books of the Bible, on themes in the Bible, um, they're very reputable, and then memorizing scriptures, when there's something that's hard in life, or something that I consistently struggle with, I like to memorize scriptures, um, there's a scripture somewhere that talks about really writing, writing the words on our heart, in our minds, and so having, having a few scriptures that I can carry with me on a day-to-day basis, I think about I'm a big worrier I worry a lot naturally and in Matthew 5 it says do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough trouble of its own each day has enough yeah enough trouble of its own and I like that's that's one that I carry with me almost daily because I'll be stressing about something tomorrow or something next week that I have to deal with and then the scripture pops in my mind do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough trouble of its own and and so memorize scriptures and the last thing I'll say is if, if loving the word is hard for you, if really loving reading it is hard, look into Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is 176 verses out of 107 and it uses the synonym for God's word 173 times. The the authors of Psalm Psalm 119 loves the word of God. Um, it's beautiful poetry. Um, synonyms used are like law, decree, command, statute. But the authors, they love the word. They soak it up. And so if that's something that's hard for you, really look into Psalm 119. Highlight what they're talking about when they talk about the word. Um, so those are the practicals and make the time. Dom is next for prayer.
0: Amen. And one, one question I would ask... Uh, just with reading the Bible too, is if it's, if it's for character growth, the goal is to become an image of God, right? Mm-hmm. Because we are images of God. It's sometimes important to really ask the question of what can I learn about God from this passage? Mm-hmm. And how can I be more like God because of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a really important question to really just ask just to even tag onto that. But uh, third practical prayer change, open up to Matthew chapter six from Jesus again in verse nine. And uh, when you get there, give me like a amen, we got to make sure we're awake. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Now, nah, give me like an amen. Amen. There we go. Come on. Get some conviction behind it. Amen. There we go. Come on. Can we get like a hallelujah?
1: Hallelujah. Mmm.
0: I'm a sila from Leke. I like that.
1: Hallelujah. Mmm.
0: I love it. We're awake. All right. Matthew chapter six, verse nine. It says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now we're gonna break this scripture down here in just a second, but one thing I really want to point out is that Jesus already assumed his disciples are gonna be people of prayer. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Meaning, these people were always supposed to be people of prayer. And I will say, I think a natural weakness of most Christians is prayer life. It's funny. When people always ask me, hey, how's your prayer life? I'm always like, could be better. Right? Because I think it's natural people. We would rather go do a lot of things rather than sit down and pray about it for a little while. Right? Yeah. I think that's a really important thing. You know, my campus minister... How many of you guys know who Kyle Eastman is? We called him Kyle Beastman because he's the beast, right? But one thing I loved about him is that he was a man of prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, and he had this analogy that he used to give. How many of you guys know what a rice cake is? Yeah. You know how many calories you in a rice cake? Mm-hmm. Maybe like half of a calorie, right? Like it's literally made of rice. It's probably like 90% air, right? You bite it and you're like, wow, I feel like I ate, but really I'm not full at all, right? Like I'm probably hungrier than when I first started eating it, right? Some of you guys are like, man, I really love rice cakes. How dare you, right? You know, how many of you guys have ever had like a, a super quadruple chocolate fudgy brownie? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking like where it's like you got like the brownie and then in it they put like Reese's cups and then they drizzle it with fudge and then whipped cream and cherries, right? Some of you guys are like, dang, now I'm like really hungry, right? Like I just look at it and I'm like, wow, I have diabetes now. Like, you know, like yeah, you're talking about that, right? These can represent the two types of prayers we can have in our lives. There's sometimes we can have a prayer life that's kind of like a a rice cake. It's not much sustenance to it. There's not much faith in it. There's not much reliance on God in it. It's a kind of checking the box, kind of getting it done so I can say, I prayed today, right? And then there's like the, the fudgy brownie, the one that's like, I'm relying on God. There's faith involved in it. It's compelling God to move and do something right prayer is so so powerful you know I can probably teach like an entire year's worth of lessons on prayer right prayer is all over the Bible go study out some scriptures about it right because here's the thing I know this about myself I love efficiency anyone know the enneagrams in here have you guys into the enneagram types some people I'm a three which means efficiency is my favorite word that's all it means right I like getting stuff done. Like when I accomplish something, I'm like, yeah, I did it, right? You know, for me, if I had the option of spending 30 minutes in prayer about something or 30 minutes on, you know, sharing my faith or working on something or, you know, fixing a problem, I would probably spend five hours fixing the problem before I spent 30 minutes praying. That's base nature me, right? And I know that about myself, but... I love this quote. I read this book on prayer by Ian Bound a number of years ago. It says this, nothing is well done without prayer for one simple reason. It leaves God out of the account. So meaning if we do anything in our lives, anything at all, and we're not praying about it, we're leaving God out of it entirely and will only be done by our own power. I think that's mind-blowing and powerful to me, at least, and really convicting because prayer needs to be something that is a constant act in our lives. And really, I think a lot of us want to see the world change around us, right? I think a lot of us want to see friends become Christians. You know, there's probably some of us are going through some family stuff right now. There's probably some of us are going through some stressors in life, right? If we are not praying about it and we are not taking it to God, God does not move in that instance, we're not including God in that. Prayer is something that we should always be trying to grow for. You know, I think sometimes we can be kind of vague in our prayers at times. You know what I'm talking about? Like sometimes it can be like, you know what? I'm going to pray that God would make me a better person this year. And I'll pray that for a year. And then at the end of the year, your friend will be like, hey, did God answer that prayer? And you're like, I think so. Maybe. I think I'm better. You know, amen. God works, right? <laughs> you know? But what if it's like, you know what, God... I really pray that you give me enough patience where I'm not getting frustrated with my parents when I go home anymore. That's hard. You know, if God answered that prayer there, right? Or you're like, you know what, God, I pray that you really open a door for me to go do this crazy thing spiritually or whatever it was. You know, I remember, you know, when I was a uh, younger disciple, I was really trying to consider whether or not I was going to go into the ministry. Like that was a big prayer point for me. And I literally prayed a prayer. I was like, God, I have two options i could go to this big college it's called ucf uh and go get a degree in history and just be an awesome disciple right or i could go get a degree in bible like th- those are my two options on the table and i said god whatever both of those colleges come back after financial aid make it too stupid for me to refuse like that's what i prayed ucf was like you're gonna be like 80 grand in debt and you'll probably you know never be able to pay it off and you'll probably make like 30 grand a year i was like okay interesting and the Bible college is like, actually, you'll graduate debt free and not have to pay a cent. I, I was shocked when I got off the phone with that because it, it shuddered me because I was like, wow, God really answered a prayer in a very specific way for me at that point. It was very clear to me what God wanted me to do in my life. So here I am, you know, uh, how many years later, like four or five years later, still in the ministry. And it's because I really put it before God in a very specific way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me. That was challenging for me because that takes control out of it, right? I like control. And I think a lot of people like control. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Prayer is something that should be teaching us more and more to rely on God's power instead of us. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. Yeah. So here's just some practicals. You know, here in Matthew 6, Jesus kind of breaks down the Lord's Prayer. And I know we know this a lot, right? But if you don't know what to pray, Jesus teaches us what to pray. There's a whole book in the Bible of prayers called Psalms, right? It's really a whole book of prayers. If you don't know what to pray, Go pray the Psalms. They're there, right? And here's just some ideas here. You know, he breaks down a couple things. And I use this as kind of like a theme sometimes. You know, he first says, God, hallowed be your name, right? We don't use that word hallow anymore, right? (laughs) Except in like Harry Potter, the Deathly Hallows, right? (laughs) You know, but it just means like praise or to thank or to like exalt, right? You know, Romans 1 writes uh, in there, people get worse and worse and fall into even worse and worse sins. And it literally says they start to invent ways of doing evil. Because of their ingratitude for God. I find that so powerful to me that I think sometimes we spend a lot of time in our prayers asking God for a lot, but we don't spend a lot of time thanking God for who He is. And I think that's just such a reminder here that what Jesus starts off His prayer with is God, you're awesome, you're amazing. Thank you for this. Thank you for this prayer. Thank you for, you know, I often think about all the ways that God has blessed me in my life. And I just spend a lot of time just really thanking God for blessing me in all these ways. Because God is awesome. I'm going to keep going just for sake of time. Uh, Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Hey, Jesus spent some time really praying that the kingdom would be furthered. Pray for disciples to be made, right? Pray for the poor and needy in your area, right? You know, if there's something that's going on in the world that, that hurts you or offends you or you feel really hurt about it. Pray that the kingdom would come in that instance there. Pray that God's gospel would come to that area and heal the broken. Amen. Pray for yourself to become a person who can do God's will. Because I think more often than not, the answer to the prayers that we have actually really relies on, are we going to be the people to go out and go do the work? Mm -hmm. That's what we have to really be praying for. Now, Next thing, bread. And I'm not talking about the cheddar, right? I'm talking about like your needs, right? Hey, we need food. We need to pay our rent sometimes. We need to, you know, be able to get through school. Hey, God wants you to tell him what you need. He's a good father. He wants to take care of you. He's not going to just leave you high and dry. Amen. I love that about God. And I think these last things here are really important. I want to spend a little more time on them is he talks about forgiving us first, right? You know, hey. We mess up. We should be constantly coming to God and repenting in our lives. Like our prayers should push us to want to repent. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like our prayers should be constant. like, God, I messed up in this way. Help me have a heart to repent in this. Help me have that conversation I'm uncomfortable having because, hey, it's exposing. Help me come to repentance there. Forgive me in that moment. But then I think the bigger one is forgiving others. I think there's a lot of ways that people can hurt us people can abuse us. People can, you know, make us feel sort and sort of way, but I love that Jesus act- it's funny. The Lord's prayer was actually a common prayer that people would have prayed all throughout Judaism at the time. Except for one thing, forgiving others. Jesus purposely inserted that into the prayer before it got into the Bible. And I think that really speaks volumes because I think we have a hard time forgiving people at times. We hold on to that bitterness our prayers should be filled with really trying to condition our hearts to outlove all the evil that the world can throw at us. Mm-hmm. We constantly have to do that. Does that make sense? Is that hitting? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll even say, that's not easy. It's not easy. Mm. Uh, it's not easy. I can think about the times when I've had to work through some bitterness in my heart. You know, there was this brother who hurt me a number of years ago. And one of the things uh, people advise me to do is, you know what? Spend a year. Praying, not that you could forgive them or that they would repent, pray for good things to happen to them. <laughs> right? Like some people are like, oof. That stung every single time I prayed it. And I noticed over time my heart really started to change of like, wow, this is ugly. Like, the way my heart really did not want to do those things. It was really exposing for me. And I think it was really healing for me at that time to where I was really able to come to a place of forgiveness where we were able to actually have a conversation later on, which was great. So if you don't know where to start, hey, go pray for good things to happen to the people that you're struggling with or having bitterness for. And that's hard. But hey, Jesus preaches hard teachings at times, right? Amen. And lastly, lead us not into temptation. We should be people who are, Forwardly thinking about how is Satan going to throw a wrench into my life today? Hey, God, help me have more patience with that brother or that sister today in my life. Or hey, you know, help me to have a heart of purity as I'm on campus today, right? Help me to not cheat on my test, whatever it is, right? Pray that God would remove temptations from your life so you can endure. Amen? Prayer is something that we should all be committed to and we should be pushing ourselves in, right? You know, if you want to push yourself, I would say make a prayer list or even set a time goal. Mm -hmm. I think this is kind of a weird thing at times, but you know, one of the things that will push you is if you sit down and you set a timer for an hour and say, I'm going to pray for a whole hour today. You'll learn very quickly. You'll run out of the things you normally pray for. And you'll be like, you know what? I have to come up with some things to pray for here, right? So you'll go to the word. You'll start looking through the news be like, oh, here's some events I can start praying for. You'll start texting your friends and be like, hey, can I pray for you on something? It will push you to add to your prayers and go deeper in your prayers. Amen? I think it's just such a good practical. Uh, The last practical we're going to talk about here, uh, Em's going to share about this, is on fasting, actually.
1: We will keep trying to breathe. I realize the time. Um, so Matthew chapter six, verse 16, uh, it says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces to show others. They are fasting. Truly. I tell you, they've received the reward in full, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Um, Jesus expects us to fast. Just like prayer, he expects he expects it. Um, typically, it's done with food, because again, as mentioned before, we need food. Um, Fasting—the idea of fasting—is it's meant to be difficult but not impossible. Fasting is to humble ourselves to God and learn how to rely on His power and His power way more, and to to learn self-control for ourselves and putting God before everything. Um, it's it's the idea of giving up of something for a period of time to show God that he is more important. Mm-hmm. Um, so recently we had a 21-day fast with our church, and I've tried fasting from food in the past, a little tough. This time I, I did it again, and it was hard, but it wasn't impossible. And it was, it was so convicting because there were times in the middle of the day where I was like, I am so hungry all I want is food, and I'm trying not to, like, walk around campus, like, oh, like, there's the Chick-fil-A. The scripture here says, like, to look lively, and I just, again, like, I found it so helpful, because when I felt hungry in those moments, I would pray. I would talk to God. I would remember that, yes, I need food, but I need God way more in life. Um, I think of something that we pretty regularly fast for um or fast from is media um social media, television, um it is sor- it is hard. <laughs> I would find myself like going to click on certain apps and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, whoops." Um but it's so helpful for self-control, for slowing down, for having more time with God, less distractions. If what Don was saying with making time for God, if that's hard for you, fast from media. Mm-hmm. You'll have so much more time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you will see all the time you have. Um, again, it's it's a good rhythm to have because it continues to remind us our need for God and our natural reliance on other things for comfort and distraction um, if you decide to do food fast and that's something that, that I am continuing to really try to grow in. If that's something that you're interested in, um, of course, if you have any like health issues, talk to a doctor, um, look into different food fasts and what those look like. Um, but again, it's, it's meant to the idea of fasting is it's supposed to not be all the time, but a good rhythm of reminding ourselves to be humbled before God that he is so much more powerful he is in control and to teach us that self-control um, so again I mean media fast is a huge one for us and I definitely highly recommend it to all of you here
0: yeah and last thing I'll even say with uh, media fast that I wanted to just add to that is that remember I talked about influence mm-hmm. the power of influence I find it so refreshing to have times I mean we did 21 days without social media uh, recently which was really good for us because I think it could be really difficult to try to figure out what's God's voice and what's everybody else's voice when all the voices are still talking to you, right? Mm -hmm. When I just have a time where I'm just like, I'm just reading the Bible and praying for like 21 days and I'm not looking at anything else. It's very clear to see God's voice in your life. Mm -hmm. I want to challenge you guys. Hey, the rest of the weekend, unplug for some time. Or even when you get back home, unplug for an extended period of time and see how god will really speak to you in that time amen Amen. so i wanted to come back to that question that i mentioned how long do you want to be a young christian how many of you guys want to be a young christian for 30 years okay 20 years great awesome how many of you guys want to be mature disciples tomorrow awesome there we go hey we got some interactions there right Nobody wants to be the metaphorical guy who's living in their basement at 40 years old as a disciple, right? Nobody wants to be that, right? And here's the thing. I want to say this to really encourage us. I think our generation can do awesome and amazing things for God, right? I think sometimes a lot of things can be said about our generation, but we can choose to dictate what history is going to tell us about our generation, right? I don't have time to read this because I want to get you guys out of here. But in Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16, you can look at this later. It talks about how there are certain roles in the church that are there to build us up to do the workings of God. But then it talks about what maturity gives us. And I love that word maturity because it says that they're not going to be swayed back and forth by anything that the world throws at them anymore. They're rock solid. They are people who don't rely on others anymore anymore. They themselves are people that others can rely on. Mm-hmm. I love that about us. Do we want to be that kind of person? Do we want to be that kind of person who goes out and changes the world for God? Mm-hmm. Do we want to be a person who other people can look to as, I can go to them and I know I'm going to be guided back to God's will in my life. Mm-hmm. Those are the kinds of people I want us all to be. I want people to look at our generation and go, wow, they did amazing things for God because They really tapped into God's divine power. God changed them. God moved them. God did all those things. But the question is, how long do we want to be young disciples for? That literally depends on your willingness to go out and invest in all the stuff that we talked about here. If you really put your full heart into investing into your quiet times, you will be awesome disciples. And you will have amazing stories told about the ways that God moved through your life. Amen? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and close off there. Um, if you guys, for those who want to go to lunch, you guys can go to lunch. We'll stick around here if you guys want to ask any questions and stuff. We'll be around. But on that, you guys are dismissed. Go eat. Enjoy.